Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Lorenzo Flores has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Why not be like Lorenzo? Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. Do it now. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, February 15th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From the mid-February blues, I'm Len Peralta. And from Dark Gray Skies, I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. Joining us today, we're very happy to have the host of Tech Thing and AVXL, Patrick Norton, back on the show. How's it going, Patrick? It just hailed here in beautiful Alameda, California. Wow. Hail. Uh, Hail, hail. hail. Patrick's here. We're expecting the plague of locusts next. Uh, Patrick's actually here to talk about the plague of NVIDIA graphics cards that's plaguing NVIDIA because they've got an excess of inventory uh, and whether or not that means it's a good time for you to pick up a graphics card. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Samsung announced plans to open its first retail locations in the U.S. February 20th in Los Angeles, New York, and Houston, selling phones, tablets, wearables, TVs, and smart home devices. The stores will also offer customer support, including walk-in repairs for smartphones. Sources tell the South China Morning Post that EA is in talks with Tencent to bring Apex Legends to China. Tencent already distributes Fortnite and player unknown battlegrounds in China, so it would be the trifecta for them. The country just ended a nine-month freeze on approving new game licenses. Tencent is still waiting on approval for in-game purchases to be sold in Fortnite and PUBG. Executives from HSBC told Reuters that it has reduced the cost of settling foreign exchange trades thanks to its FX Everywhere blockchain. The system handles between 3,500 and 5,000 trades per day, processing $250 billion in trades since February of 2018. FX Everywhere coordinates payments across HSBC's Americas, Europe, and Asia-Pacific trading hubs, and the company hopes to offer the service to corporate customers with complex cross-border 
border trades. Yeah. Uh, more blockchain being used to, to mm-hmm. make international payments uh, easier for banks anyway. All right. Let's talk a little more about the FTC and Facebook. Sources tell the Washington Post that Facebook and the FTC are in negotiations over a multi-billion dollar fine to settle an investigation into the company's privacy practices. This has to do mostly with Cambridge Analytica, but not entirely. There's also a few of the other breaches, and et cetera, that are part of this investigation. The FTC has been investigating whether because of these things, Facebook violated its 2011 agreement uh, in which Facebook agreed to notify users clearly before sharing personal data with third parties and was barred from deceiving users about its privacy practices. Facebook could do a few things. They could agree to a fine and a change of practices. Uh, the FTC could implement tougher checkups to ensure compliance, or Facebook could tell the FTC to go shove it and see him in court. Patrick, I heard you chuckling. Uh, it, 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 it's Facebook, you know. <laughs> they're going to dance, they're going to shine, they're going to say what they need to say, and then in two years, they're going to do something that makes this look kind of reasonable and thoughtful. <laughs> I, I, that's just how I feel about Facebook. I, I feel like point. the upshot of this story is the FT, it looks like the FTC will find that Facebook uh, violated the agreement in some part uh, and slap them on the hand for it. Yeah, I, d- I don't see Facebook taking this to court any Not longer than Facebook. they have to. Mm, yeah, let's see. Yeah. I mean, what how what was their profit this year? <laughs> Lots. Yeah, a lot a lot of things, a lot of dollars. You know. Uh why don't we talk about some Samsung news? Mm. Samsung announced the Galaxy Tab uh, S5e, a 10.5-inch AMOLED Android tablet that is 5.5 millimeters thick, so nice and thin, and weighs in at 400 grams and an 81.8% screen-to-body ratio. The Tab S5e ships with Android Pie and Bixby 2.0, although it does lack S Pen support, so that'll make a few people kind of mm. bummed. It'll be available in Q2 2019 for $399 in a perhaps less intentional type of product announcement, an update to Samsung's Galaxy wearable app leaked several upcoming products of them. The front page of the app listed a 40-millimeter Galaxy Watch active smartwatch, the Galaxy Fit and Galaxy Fit E fitness trackers, and the wireless earbuds creatively named the Galaxy Buds. Presumably, these will all be announced at Samsung's Galaxy S10 event on February 20th. I'm more excited about the leaked stuff uh, than I am about the tablet. Although I know, I know intellectually that tablet is, is, is the best Android tablet we've seen in a long time. Yeah. I mean, for 400 bucks as well, we, we were talking before the show of like, what's that sweet spot of a price point that, you know, if something might lack S pen support. Okay. Well, that would be a deal breaker for certain folks. Scott Johnson might say, yeah, I wouldn't want that, right, right. but you know, it wouldn't be a deal breaker for me. And $400 is, 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 is pretty sweet for, for, for something that has a lot of other features. Yeah. Uh, I know for a fact that some Samsung fans are very excited about the Galaxy Buds. Uh, there's a little AirPod jealousy, but not enough to make them want to break over the, the barrier to another brand. So uh, if, they, if they look good and they end up working well, I think Samsung will do well with those. We can live with it. Yes, maybe we can. Perhaps. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't know what Sarah's talking about, uh, Sarah will be living with the Jabra earbuds for three months and reporting back on how well they work. So uh, Earbuds, all the rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Copyright <laughs> Office declined to register Alfonso Ribeiro's Carlton dance. Alfonso Ribeiro played Carlton on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, weakening Mr. Ribeiro's case against NBA 2K's similar in-game character celebration. In a letter, the Copyright Office's Saskia Florence, a supervisory registration specialist in the office's Performing Arts Division, wrote, 
The combination of these three dance steps is a simple routine that is not registrable as a choreographic work. Uh, of course, we all know that there's uh, been some celebrities trying to sue Fortnite or get Fortnite to license dance moves. Uh, NBA 2K also uh, under this a- as well. So Take Two, which make NBA 2K, filed for dismissal of Ribeiro's suit based on that letter saying uh, the letter argues that bank- that uh, dance is too basic to be protected by copyright, which only covers more complex choreography. And we've talked previously on the show that you can copyright a choreography of dance moves, but you can't copyright a dance move. And what uh, it seems like Saskia Florence is saying here is three steps, you know, three, three things is not choreography. That's not enough. And, and I would tend to agree um, to Millie is another example of the Millie dance, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, something something that has uh, um, been in question whether or not it was ripped off from uh, from something that an, a person can own. It's kind of funny that we're having a discussion about what how many steps is in a actual choreographic dance. I would agree that the Carlton dance was just sort of a funny, like I, it would, it would be hard for me to side with him saying, yeah, yeah, they, they really ripped you off, especially since I don't know, that show has been off the air for quite some time, but what, what, what is a copyrightable dance? You know, what, what is a series of moves with one's body that, um, that is not okay to end up in a video game later? A full dance, uh, you know. Uh, I, I, no, I'm, I'm just envisioning like the difference between and we Hamilton. Can't, we can't hear what you're doing, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, that, that's the thing. On the one end, you can't copyright moves, or else walking down the streets becomes a copyright violation, right? Sure. Thank right, you. Yeah, dance exactly. moves. We're we're not at the extent of of music and written works with dance moves because uh, the bar seems to be farther away. I would argue that the Carlton dance is fairly recognizable. And when you see it, you're like, oh, he's doing the Carlton dance. That seems to be a kind of test you could weigh to say if it's identifiable, then maybe it is copyrightable. But like you said, Sarah, at a certain point, I don't think you should be able to continue to copyright it. But that's not the copyright laws we have. We have 90 years plus the life of the author. So if the Carlton move is copyrightable, it's copyrightable for 90 years plus the life of Alfonso Ribera. Uh, so right. that that that's also informing this like... You know what? Maybe we should have this line be where you're taking elements of movement and making them into something distinctive. And and that's what Florence is saying is, you know what? Even if it's recognizable, it's still just an element. It's a it's a few letters in a vocabulary. It's not an entire sentence. Well, and you you bring up a good point like, oh, yeah, people know the Carlton dance. Well, they know the Carlton dance because it was on television and mm-hmm. it was a, you know, it was a it was a very popular sitcom that a lot of people watched. Did that happen before? Well, I don't know. I, w- I, mean, I would argue it- that it's less about whether there's general awareness, but once you know it, can you see it elsewhere? Can you can you pick it out? That That's yeah. what makes it recognizable. And if it was part of a television show, then it would be part of the intellectual property of the television well, show. Yeah, that's a, that's a separate aspect of this, right? Is whether Roberto even owns it or not, or whether yeah, that would people get thrown who, out of court. Yeah, yeah, and and that is part of this case. This was in this case as well, but that didn't pertain specifically to whether the move itself was copyrightable. It's just about whether he had the standing to bring the case. 
At a Goldman Sachs event this week, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey said that instead of building an edit tweet function, which many people have called for for years, the company could possibly let users clarify tweets in the future instead. Dorsey used the example of somebody having tweeted something in the past that maybe they'd like to revisit, maybe they regret, and give context as a reason for the tool to exist. So users would then only be able to retweet this clarification, but not edit the original tweet in question. <laughs> so in, 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 in the sense of keeping us all honest, I see where they're going with this. Um, in, 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 in the many cases of me tweeting something I think is really clever and funny, but there's a spelling error mm. or something that I just kind of like, I got it slightly wrong. I still want an edit tweet function, but I understand that the company is like, hey, we don't want people to rewrite history. There there are a lot of tweets that end up being problematic, and then there's like a huge threat about it. And how can we make it so that the original poster, as it were, can at least weigh in and be like, hey, man, here's what I meant to say. I get that. But it's kind of two different things. Delete history. It's but but it's funny, right? Because you can delete tweets, but you can't edit tweets. Now, you know, I I I feel compelled to make a blockchain joke. Now there should be blockchain so you could watch the transition of a tweet. But it's also, (laughs) I mean, you know, James Gunn, like, you know, I, I I crafted these extraordinary movies, but because I was a you know, delete expletive and possibly tweeting drunk and thoughtlessly. You know what I mean? It's 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 I but, get but, not but, okay, to but but so on Facebook, you know, if, right. if I see somebody has posted something and there's a little edit thing next to it, I go like, eh, they probably had to go in and, you know, make a little bit of adjustment. That doesn't sure. really bother me. You kind of know that there was there there were a couple of revisions being 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 made or at least one. But I don't understand why Twitter is so adverse to this. Yeah. Because Twitter has the most bizarre random collection of, of morality. Their morality like ebbs and tides and, and shows up and disappears. And for some reason, they're like, we're going to make sure there's a standardized record. Because, you know, for a while, this was ending up in the Library of Congress. And it's like, yeah. So people can tweet incredibly nasty things and either delete their account or delete the tweet, but they want to make sure you don't modify the tweet. And I get, because I get it, right? There's nothing worse than your, your option. If you misspell is to be like, delete expletive, delete the tweet, then type out the correct tweet and repost and then deal with the flood of like, dude, you just posted that. And like, but yeah, you know, I, I had an A instead of a U and I found it, you know, incredibly, you know, it just, it bugged me. So I changed it. Um, but it's, it's funny because it, you know, like if you do a change, if you edit an entry in Patreon, one of the things it does, like let your you you know let your users know this changed, right? And the idea that how permanent things are or not permanent, or if you have a record of the changes. Like on one hand, if you smell something and you fix it, generally speaking, nobody cares except for you, maybe me. And your English teacher from eighth grade, right? <laughs> she spelled it correctly. She used that apostrophe right. I'm so proud. Um, <laughs> if somebody at the national level or international level in politics or just, you know, somebody famous tweets out something, you know, obnoxious or racist or difficult, and then it's like, oh, no, 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 this is what I really meant. And they retype it or they modify it or they completely flip it. I can see where they, they wouldn't want to change that. But it's weird. I mean, it's Dorsey. This is not somebody I look to to have a coherent policy or plan at any time at this point. 
Um, All right, we, we got to get to this next story because I'm too excited to talk about it. Software developer Philip Wang has used an open source implementation of a GAN, a generative adversarial network, to create a website called thispersondoesnotexist.com. The GAN runs on NVIDIA software and creates a human face every two seconds. Creates. Doesn't assemble. Doesn't mimic. It creates a face from scratch every two seconds. And as you refresh the website, you'll get the latest creation. It's important to note that GANs don't assemble new faces from real faces, but they learn how to create an image from scratch. They don't know it's a face. You just train it with a bunch of faces and say, come up with stuff that that fits the profile here. And the way generative adversarial networks work is you have two networks, one that creates the faces, another that's good at recognizing whether something's a face or not, telling it that's a face, no, that's not a face, until it gets really good. And this is really good to the point that it will be hard for you to believe that these are not just actual clip art stock photography in most cases. Well, I know we we all spent some time this morning refreshing the page of this person does not exist.com. And I was like, they all look perfectly real. And at one point, Roger was like, well, there was a hairline that didn't, you know, didn't fool me. But for the most part, it is. It's the best fake people I've ever seen. I mean, it's, it's perfect. And sometimes they're vaguely familiar, but not familiar enough to be like, Oh yeah, I see you took Tiger Woods picture and, you know, changed it and, you know, made it into something else. Morphed, uh, morphed real people. Like, no, no, it's machine learning is getting very good at this. Uh, Yeah. This is, Climbing up the other side of the uncanny valley, yeah, kind of a terrible no, absolutely. Way. Like these, the, imagine what you can do with CG if you can you can start getting GANs to do this just as well on full motion video. It's not perfect. I had a, a few people that looked red and some asymmetries here and there. I also truly believe that ten years from now we'll look at this and go, oh, these are obviously machine learning because we'll we'll learn what the hallmarks are and they'll start to be obvious in a way that they're mm-hmm. not obvious to us right now. But right now. These these look dead on to me. There's some implications to that, folks. Uh, <laughs> especially if it gets into video. I think with stills, it's more just like, well, now we have a lot more clip art uh, to, to draw from. But yeah. Uh, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. NVIDIA announced its earnings, 80 cents per share uh, in Q4 on revenue of $2.21 billion. That beat analysts' expectations. Analysts had only expected 75 cents a share on $2.2 billion. Although it's down 24% from last year in revenue, operating income decreased 73%, all while operating expenses increased 25%. So basically, the analysts just expected the quarter to be a little worse. Uh, but NVIDIA is still doing okay. It's still, <laughs> still making uh, money, even if the revenue is declining. And NVIDIA blamed excessive post-crypto boom channel inventory. They're getting a lot more inventory piling up because people aren't buying them to do Bitcoin anymore or other cryptocurrencies. There's also a pause in purchasing from public cloud providers uh, that's happening. There's some China uh, currency fluctuations that affected this. NVIDIA also believes its coming fiscal year revenue is going to be flat to down slightly. They don't think they're going to bounce back right away. Its fiscal Q1, however, should see the bottom of excess inventory for gaming GPUs. And that's where it bears on us, the consumer. If we have a bunch of excess inventory, Patrick, does this mean that prices are going to be good for video cards and is now the time to buy one? Um, Man, prices are as good as they've been. Uh 
in forever. Uh, and it's, it's really curious to watch what's going on right now. Um, one of the things that was rumored, uh, video cards with a Z.com, uh, you know, they, they were, they have been showing sneak peeks, rumors of what they were calling a GTX 1660, which is like a 2060, but with the ray tracing stripped out. And that's going to be like the 200, $250 GPU. Um, you know, sales are not as strong as NVIDIA expected on the RTX cards, in part because, you know, it took a while for RTX to finally show up in video games. And and then when it showed up, the performance, like, you would turn on RTX and your frame rates dropped through the floor. Mm. And then two weeks later, there was a driver update and the frame rates were still much lower, but not so bad. You just wanted to stop playing the game. And... It's really subtle, I think, because I, I look at it and I'm like, that's different, but I don't know if it's particularly better. Um, the demos make it look really spectacular. Real world gameplay, it's not quite as spectacular. And it's all very, very early in the technology. Um, 20 series cards, the ones that just came out, are really expensive. When a 1080 Ti came out, everybody's like, this is expensive. It's $699, but it's an amazing GPU. Um, the RTX 2080 Ti, the MSRP is $1,000. It's $999. Uh, and it's even more for the Founders Edition. Uh, and they're selling for like anywhere from over a thousand dollars to thirteen hundred and fifty dollars, depending on how fancy the GPU is. So, you know, that's a huge jump. That's a three hundred dollar jump from the previous flagship. Uh, on the upside, in terms of three D games, the the twenty eighty Ti is thirty or forty percent faster than a ten eighty Ti. Um, and then things kind of get weird because you know if you look around, um, there's almost no 1080 Ti's out there. There's almost no 1080s out there. Um, the 2080, which is the second highest of the new generation cards, it's pretty much on par with a a you know $699 1080 Ti. Um, you know 1080 Ti's are pretty much gone. 1080s are starting to disappear from the channel. Um, but the 2080 sells for like 700 to 1300 dollars, and people are like. I thought I would get more for my seven hundred dollars, mm, not parity. And then so, they go, so "Well, wait you a get." Minute. You're telling me that uh, in this world of excess inventory that's that's driving down earnings, the top cards are expensive, and there aren't enough of them. So, so where's the inventory? Where can I find the cheap cards? Uh, so the RTX 2060s, uh, which is kind of the sweet spot for fourteen forty, uh, those start at three hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. Um, that's pretty good. Uh, it's kind of like GTX 70 performance uh, with occasional bumps to 1080p perform, or I should say GTX 1080 performance. If you overclock it, it gets really close to the to the RTX 2070 on 3D games. That's a $500 card. So I think for a lot of people, the 20, the RTX 2060 is the sweet spot. Um, 10 series cards, they're actually finally at or below MSRP. Mm-hmm. Like You can't find 1080 Ti's. 1080s are getting really, really short. Um, but, you know, the the 1060s and 1070ti's are all around the price of a 2060 but you should just buy an RTX 2060 um you know if you have if you do 1080p gaming and you don't want to spend any money right now there's a glut of 6 gigabyte 1060s and 3 gigabyte 1060s don't go near a 3 gigabyte 1060 unless you like don't game uh but 6 gigabyte 1060s are selling for as little as $200 nobody wants them anymore because they're all looking at the faster cards uh that the prices have dropped uh, mm-hmm. What makes it really crazy is at CES, right, we got the announcement of the AMD Radeon 7, which caused NVIDIA to freak out and talk about, you know, this is a ridiculous card. It will never work. Do not pay attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> um, 
And it's a really odd card because when you look at the gaming performance for $699, well, you know, an RTX 2080 is better for gaming, but it's got 16 gigabytes of, you know, HMB2 RAM, which is doubling the RAM bandwidth. So for certain professional workstation scientific applications, it is incredibly fast. And it's also incredibly less expensive than traditional workstation uh, GPUs. Like if you, if you work in Blender, just try to find an AMD Radeon 7. You won't be able to find them because, you know, their initial allotment is completely sold out, as is the tradition with AMD GPUs, and eventually, hopefully, more will show up. Um, driver updates are kind of a mess for both of these. Like I talked about, like Battlefield 5 got ray tracing support, mm-hmm. and the frame rates were awful. And a couple, three weeks later, they released a driver update, and there was a huge bump in ray tracing performance. Um, DLSS just came out. It's just finally coming in online. Um, we expect that to see performance improvements as they tweak the drivers. Radeon 7 probably has some driver from from some performance bumps that'll come out of the drivers and what really makes this messy is you've got these rtx cards that are expensive you've got this sort of professional slash gaming card from amd that is kind of expensive uh, at least until you look at a 2080 ti and that's not even the next generation processor or the next generation processor from amd which is the navi which is going to come out later this year because that that radeon 7 is actually you know a seven nanometer process a die shrink with the addition of of that faster memory on there um so we have a whole nother challenge from amd which will probably deliver a big another big performance hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers... Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet, strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. Performance boost for them. Um, and then what makes it really crazy, and part of the reason they can't sell cards, is because most gamers, which we think of as being the primary consumers of these cards, are playing on 1080p monitors, and they don't need an expensive GPU because they don't have enough monitor to demand expensive GPU performance. So, so okay. <laughs> so, 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 bottom line, two questions uh, yes. navigating through all this. 
if, if someone's like, should I buy a video card right now? If they, if they don't absolutely need one, is this a good don't. time to upgrade? And if, if they're like, no, I have to get one anyway, whether it's a good time or not, which one would you point them towards for the average person? So, okay, if you're going to spend all the money, uh, the 2080 Ti, the performance is really kind of, of mind-boggling, uh, and the frame rates, you know, in ray tracing are usable. Um, if you, you know, absolutely have to buy a GPU, or have to have, actually absolutely have to buy a GPU, and you don't want to spend all the money, the RTX 2060 looks really, really good. Um, I would wait as long as you can to see whether the mythical 1660 comes out because it would suck to get most of the performance of the GTX 2060 for less money without the ray tracing because this whole ray tracing thing, it's very early in that. So as always, wait as long as you can. If you have mm-hmm. to buy now, I would probably go with a GTX 2060 uh, any, if, you're, if, you're, if your budget is anywhere around $350. Um, if you are a professional, take a look at the benchmarks uh, for the AMD uh, Radeon 7 uh, to see if any of your applications are accelerated by that card and it's a giant block of memory and if not if you're a gamer I would go for the RTX 2080. So. Excellent. Thank you Patrick. I, I think that's going to help a lot of people out. It's too much information. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's great. Um, speaking of helping people out, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You help us out every day by submitting stories and voting on others from your peers at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Um, and we don't want to count out the folks at Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. They promise they'll get better. All right, let's check out the mailbag, Sarah. Allison Sheridan, my friend and yours, weighed in on the Apple subscription discussion that we've pretty much had all week. Allison says, Peter Kafka, who writes for Recode, obviously knows way more than me when he explains why the media companies would consider giving Apple 50% of the revenue in their news offering. There's one more consideration I didn't hear mentioned. Apple customers are also very high value customers willing to pay a grip for phones, as Rob Dunwood would say, and pay for photo storage when Google gives it away for free and double or triple for computers versus their Windows counterparts. No, I like this. Uh, I like partially because Allison was very kind and said, not that we missed anything, but there's another consideration because this is another consideration. Uh, If you're targeting advertising, a lot of times it's not the numbers you need. It's the kind of people who buy your products. And if you have an audience that's a little spendier, uh, you might attract some more advertisers willing to spend some more money because they know that they're advertising to an audience that's going to drop some dollars. So that could make a difference, too. That's a really good point. Thanks, Allison. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Allison. All right. Let's check in with Len Peralta, who has been illustrating today's show. Len, what do you got for us? Yeah, you know, I I told you pre-show that uh, I was going to do a mashup, yeah, and yeah. I, I didn't know whether or not this was going to be funny or not, but uh, I guess the audience will decide that. I mashed up <laughs> uh, this person does not exist dot com along with the Alfonso Ribeiro uh, <laughs> story, and it's a picture of him doing the Carlton, and it's sort of like they did. The copyright office said, "Hey." You don't exist. The Alfonso Carlton Ribeiro. is not distinctive enough to exist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or, no, he's, yeah, he's Alfonso Ribeiro. Yeah. Does, does not exist. Not exist. Yes, the other, exist. the other, that's true. Uh, the other uh, interpretation I have of this, Len, is uh, that the, a, that the GAN, the, the net, neural network, has just created someone doing the Carlton. 
Oh, and who who proves that? Yeah, this Ooh, isn't distinctive, that, right? Even that when, could be the yeah, that could be the next the next step in this. Yeah, oh, a, a step, not choreography. Oh, that's right, 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 yeah. exactly, not choreography. If it was four steps, well, then we'd have a case. Yeah, three not enough is four enough. I don't know, five, six. Where do we go? Yeah, uh, good stuff, Len. Also, thanks to Patrick Norton for being with us. Uh, I think the last time we saw you was at CES. So, what's been going on, and how can people keep up with? With what what that answer is between now and then, <laughs> firing up uh, AC AVXL. Robert and I finally we kind of had a break over January. We started firing out episodes this month, and uh, if you want to get your home theater and audio on, and of course Shannon Morris and I do the whole tech thing each and every week, and uh, we uh, we review products and answer questions. And we would love to have your questions. If you have a tech question, email ask at techthing.com because we're listening. Yeah, man. I mean, if you if you wonder where Patrick has all this knowledge about video cards, it comes from doing those two shows all the time, right? And this week in computer hardware. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those three those three shows together uh, keep him up to date. So if you're like, wait a minute, I have another question about these graphics cards based on what you said. Go check it out. Techthing.com, avxl.com, This Week in Computer Hardware. Our goal each month for this show is to get one more patron than last month. We need seven more people. If you are not yet supporting the show, not yet a member of DTNS, and one of seven people, please right now go to patreon.com slash DTNS. When you become a member, uh, you get access to an ad-free version of the RSS feed, special episodes from myself and Sarah Lane, uh, special columns from Roger Chang. Uh, It's all available right there. Uh, And in fact, we're running a promotion right now where if you stay at your tier for three months at the top two levels, you can get either a poster or a mug with Len Peralta's art on it. It's the five-year anniversary art that he did back in December. Uh, so go check that out at patreon.com slash DTNS slash merch. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Keep it coming. We love to hear from you. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. Tune in, if you can, find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We're off Monday for President's Day, but back on Tuesday with Patrick Beja. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business... To a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.